Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, August 28th, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. Grace, on Sunday, obviously we're recording on Sunday, we said goodbye to two different Broadway shows, both things that I think you really enjoyed quite a bit, if I remember correctly, neither of which I saw, but they were the Tony-winning play, Goodnight Oscar, which obviously earned Sean Hayes his Tony Award. That closed up at the Belasco Theater. And then El Mago Pop, which ran for just a couple weeks over at the Ethel Barrymore, which you saw and enjoyed quite a bit. So those two shows said goodbye. Very different runs, obviously very different shows. But we wanted to congratulate everybody at both of those companies for very different but very exciting runs. I would not be surprised based off of the sales that we saw and Grace, what you talked about when you saw it, kind of the the different types of people that came to see El Mago Pop than usually come to see Broadway shows. I would not be surprised if we saw maybe a return engagement for 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 that show and and maybe even a longer one next time around. Yeah, it made so much money. It's kind of crazy. You know, I had this thought though with with Steven Spielberg having um I think invested or produced in in Goodnight Oscar and I do that company was so lovely. I'm wondering if there is a possibility for like a good night and good luck style film mm. uh, with that with that subject matter. So I'm curious if that'll ever happen. That is interesting. I don't know that I realized. I mean, I think I did, but I kind of forgot that Steven Spielberg was a part of that. And obviously he's represented quite a bit on Broadway right now with other shows that are connected to his, his properties. So uh, that would be interesting. I hadn't thought about that at all. But obviously Sean Hayes is certainly a big enough name to carry whether that's a, a limited series on TV or a film or even a TV movie of some sort. So uh, that'd be interesting. Keep an eye on that. And of course, if that does happen, you will hear us talk about it here on Broadway Radio. And you can hear everything that we do first and some exclusives coming up very soon at patreon.com slash Broadway Radio or broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. All right, Grace, let's get into the news. And this is a, a kind of an interesting story. It's something that we have heard a little bit more about everything from non-equity tours to adult exotic dancing clubs uh, trying to unionize. And we have another organization getting into the unionization process in New York City. And this is the New York production of Drunk Shakespeare. And what's interesting about this is if this isn't something that is normally on your theatrical radar, this has become quite a thing, not only in New York, but around the country. The first production in New York City opened about nine years ago, and it has gone on. There are actually five different productions around the country in New York, then in Chicago, Phoenix, Washington, D.C., and in Houston. Already, the productions in Chicago, Phoenix, and D.C. have unionized as Drunk Shakespeare United. That includes all of the actors, the stage managers, the bartenders, and the servers that are involved in this production. And the New York production has now just voted to unionize as well. And of course, they have designated Actors' Equity Association as their bargaining representative. They are awaiting certification from the National Labor Relations Board, but the company who oversees, who runs Drunk uh, Drunk Shakespeare, Meme Juice Productions, they have already voluntarily recognized Chicago, Phoenix, and Washington, D.C., and the assumption is that they will recognize New York's uh, production as well. The final production in that group in Houston just recently opened, so that is, you know, this takes a little bit of time for them to work up to some sort of unionization decision, but it is interesting to me, Grace, as we are coming out of the pandemic, as we are dealing with all of the economic uncertainty, as we are seeing union-led strikes in Hollywood with both the writers and the actors, this has become a little bit more of a conversation. Obviously, Broadway and most off-Broadway is unionized already, and we've talked about the contract renegotiations for them and on tour quite a bit, but this seems to me to be something that is coming forward. It's much less of a 
on the back burner, something we don't talk about. It just gets done in the background, but now being something that we talk about quite a bit in theater and for the better, it certainly helps the protections and the benefits for the people involved. It also does contribute to the overall rise in cost of theater tickets. But in general, as we've said here quite a bit, unions are are good. We, We support unions here at Broadway Radio and seeing Drunk Shakespeare continue to add more union members and then to have their production company voluntarily uh, recognize them, that is good as well. Yeah, I just co-sign it. You know, it's 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 such a challenging thing of like, you know, oh, if if we treat these people a little better, it's harder on the audiences because yeah. it's a little bit more expensive. It's like, okay, but you know, yeah. I, I I think it's 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 obviously very challenging. But at the end of the day, like when there's a huge disparate, you know, wage gap with the people that work on on theater. That's when it becomes even harder. So, yeah, we just keep supporting unions and that's how our community continues to to grow. So, yeah, we will see. Yeah, the if your only way to profitability is if you pay your employees less than a living wage, that's probably not you're not very very good at business. Then, you know, you should, if you're going to be a good business person, find a way to make that work. So definitely excited about that. I, you know, here's the thing, Grace, you know, this, I, I don't drink. So like I, as a Shakespeare person and, uh, and somebody who enjoys, you know, reinterpretations of Shakespeare, I do wonder if going to something like drunk Shakespeare for me and just drinking water would be worth it. Have you ever done it? Like, what do you, what do you think? No, that's not ever been my thing. Personally, I have no shade against people that enjoy it. I have a lot of sensitivities around alcohol activities, sure. But the premise, I appreciate. I know that a lot of people like it. I will say a friend of mine, nobody steal this, please. Um, they will kill me. But my friend does have a have a concept for a drunk blank. And it might be, you know, a Disney-based uh-huh. um, musical movie that came out in the 2000s. Okay. So I, I, I thoroughly think if we were screaming, no, 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 stick to the stuff you know, and breaking free with some shots around the room, I think it could be very profitable. Um, but yeah, so I think that uh, it's it's not my thing, but I think that you could enjoy it sober. Why not? Okay. You should be able to enjoy it sober. Yeah. I mean, I think people watch Drunk History and that's a similar thing and you don't actually have to be drunk to enjoy uh, Drunk History episodes. Again, not something that I normally, normally watch either, but interesting. I'll be interested if any of you listeners out there have seen Drunk History and done it without imbibing at all. Let us know. Send us a message on social media or on Patreon or something and let us know what you think. All right, Grace, another topic that we've been talking about quite a bit recently is the reemergence of COVID diagnoses across the theatrical landscape. We've talked about how Josh Groban and Annalie Ashford have both recently been out of Sweeney Todd. Last week, Shucked announced on its Instagram that they are pausing all post-show stage door activities for the time being until further notice and an abundance of caution. Of course, we have seen a lot of different productions across Broadway. I know Once Upon a One More Time had a lot of standbys and covers and swings going on, and those people are all superheroes, but they are there in, in those roles quite a bit more often recently because of how COVID has started to rise again. I know it happened at Titanic as well. So keep your eye on those things. At this point, you know, if you're not going to mask, you're not going to mask. And I'm not, nothing I tell you is going to convince you, but it's probably worth doing, especially in the theater, especially if you're going to be around performers, because 
is happening again. And we haven't seen any shows be canceled here recently, at least none that I'm aware of. But as we get into the fall, when more shows open up, we want to see them running. We want to see them going on according to plan. We don't want to have to see opening nights pushed back and all of that stuff. So hoping the best. And I think this is a good move by Shucked to limit the interaction with people who may or may not be masked, who may or may not be testing, who may or may not be sick. Uh, we want to keep these shows up and going. And and we've seen in, in the past, Grace, how having a, a week of shows that are really hurt by stars being out can literally close a show on Broadway. So we don't want that to happen. I don't think that would happen with Shucked necessarily, but there's a lot of shows on Broadway, especially coming in, in the next few months that have stars. And if those stars are out, it can really, really hurt the longevity of a show. Yeah, I know people aren't um, testing regularly the way that we were back in 2021. However, to your point, though, I mean, when it can be a massive profit margin difference, if people are out, even if it's not, you know, getting the whole company sick, like if just trying to think of it on a money perspective, then, you know, because because people have to keep going. So I agree with you. I think it's challenging because right now, we are in a dire month, August, you know, which has always been a challenging month for Broadway. So they're not leaving anything to chance. It's very good on them. Yeah, that's a good point. This this time of year, especially coming out around Labor Day next week, where things, you know, more shows will close, which we're going to talk about next. And the tourists really don't start picking up until later in the fall with the holidays. It, it is something we want to keep an eye on. All right, let's talk a little bit about this week's theatrical schedule. We already talked about the fact that on Sunday, Goodnight Oscar and El Mago Pop are closing, but... Over at the Delacorte Theater is the next performance from Shakespeare in the Park this summer. This is a more traditional short one-week run. This is the Public Works production of The Tempest, directed by Lori Woolery and choreography by Tiffany Ray Fisher. This is going to run from Sunday, yesterday, August 27th, just through Sunday, September 3rd. And the equity members of the company include... Renee Elise Goldsberry, Joe Lampert, Joel Perez, Theo Stockman, Tristan Andre, Sabrina Sedeno, Patrick O'Hara, and Edwin Rivera. And how they work these things, if you forget, is they have that equity core of performers, and then the rest of the company is filled in with arts organizations from each of the five boroughs around uh, around New York City. So very excited about this. If you haven't seen a production of Tempest, I don't know this musical version, but The Tempest is really, I think, one. It's it's in my top three or four Shakespeare shows, and it's one that everyone loves, obviously, and, and recognizes it's a masterpiece. But like when you put it up there with. Macbeth and Hamlet and Romeo and Juliet and and Midsummer, like I don't think it gets recognized as much as those. So if you have an opportunity to see a very cool production of The Tempest, and again, I don't know this musical, but this would be one to see, especially because it's it's free and in the park, and you get to see Renee Elise Goldsberry in a musical again. So how could you not love that, Grace? I mean, we're big fans, so yeah. I think any any opportunity famously. to see her might as well. Famously, very big fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Also happening this week, the next thing doesn't actually happen until Saturday because, as we said, it's it's kind of dead out there right now. But over at Primary Stages, the new play written and directed by Teresa Rebeck called Dig Begins Performances at 59 East 59th. It is currently scheduled to run through October 22nd. Uh, the show is described thusly, in a dying plant shop in a dying neighborhood, Roger receives 
receives a visitor from the past, Megan, the neighborhood screw-up just out of rehab. He wants nothing to do with this disaster, but with Rebeck's signature wit, intelligence, and depth, it brings us a riveting play that asks, can a soul beyond saving be saved? I love Therese Rebeck as a playwright and as a screenwriter. I know she's become a little bit memefied following Smash, especially with all of the scarves that Deborah Messing wore, but um, I love Therese Rubik. I think she's brilliant. I, I love all of her plays. So very much looking forward to hearing all about this one. And then this weekend on Broadway with the Labor Day weekend, we always have shows closing on Broadway. There's only actually two this year, which has, I think, been con- fairly consistent since COVID. But normally we have a few more than that. The first one has been long announced is Funny Girl, which will close on Broadway. Uh, they have just, I know, released some extra final tickets for the, the final performance. Leah Michelle, Ramin Karamloo, Jared Grimes, Tova Feldshu still in the production. So if you haven't got a chance to see this or you really just loved it, this is your last opportunity to check it out before before it heads out on a national tour. So you can head over to the August Wilson Theater this week. And then the one, of course, you know that all breaks my heart is Once Upon a One More Time will play its final performance at the Marriott Marquis Theater on Sunday. They are still offering the Oops 75 discount for $75 orchestra and floor seats. I would take advantage of that when I went and saw it uh, for my third time when I was in town a couple weeks ago. I actually went up to the box office and said, Hey, I've got the Oob 75. What are the best seats? They said, well, for the for that, I can get you in row M, or for $4 more, I can get you in row D. So I paid the extra $4 to be a few rows up, or you know, quite a few rows up. So maybe head over to the box office, see what they've got. I would imagine that th- those options won't be necessarily available for the final performance. But if you're going to go some other day this week, there might be some opportunities to get closer seats for just a few dollars more than that. Already really, really good ticket deal. All right, Grace, um, we're going to wrap up. I don't necessarily have like a feel-good recommendation, so maybe you do, but there's a really good article uh, from the Broadway Journal and Philip Boroff talking about how solo shows are doing really, really well right now, despite the fact that like the bigger, glitzier, traditional blockbusters, musical theaters, all of those things are struggling a, a little bit. Things like Alex Edelman's Just For Us or Prima Facie, which closed on Broadway over the summer. You know, those did really, really well. But things like Sweeney Todd, while still doing very, very well, are taking a lot longer to recoup. Um, Here Lies Love, which just opened on Broadway, still, you know, doing fairly well, but not nearly as well as you would hope for a big show like that. You know, and with the rise of, you know, like the Mike Birbiglia shows that we've had in the past couple of years, it's looking like those things, if you can get a compelling story with an interesting um, storyteller, whether that is a you know a traditional stand-up type storytelling thing, which you know you we know you love so much, or a one-person show like with Prima Facie, they're doing pretty well. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see even more of this. this. Is something we've talked about quite a bit. I think it's all it's all subjective too. Like I think that you have two really great examples of of things that worked, but like. If you look back at Walking with Ghosts, or was that what what it was called? Walk yeah, with yeah, me? Walking with Ghosts with Gabriel, Gabriel Byrne. With yeah. Gabriel Byrne, that did not, and he's a megastar. And so I think that, um, and that was that was this season, that was this past year. Yeah. So I think that it's 
it just really vacillates. And I think that people are in a place that want to be incredibly moved. I think they're in a place that they want to be surrounded by laughter uh, and they want those things guaranteed. And with that one in particular, we weren't sure which it was or if it was just an autobiographical. We don't we weren't sure what we were going to learn with Prima. We knew that it was going to be a very, you know, life changing, like feminist forward story by, you know, an A-list actor with Alex. You knew that also we were in an incredibly challenging time with the Jewish community. And so like seeing someone who is just so charismatic and funny and then telling the story from his perspective of meeting with neo-Nazi group as a bit, you know, it was it was fascinating. Right. So I think that they're all case by case, even though I do love the idea of success within solo shows. I will say, I mean, the, the costs are dramatically lower, especially for people that I mean, Prima had a gorgeous set, but like Alex did not have an incredibly elaborate he moved, set. He moved some chairs around is what he did. He that really was did. So yeah, I think it really it really fascinates, but I'm hoping because I, I do know many, many, many people that brought theirs to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this year. And then some people that um, have been working on it in the city and, and going elsewhere and doing college tours. So I'm hopeful for the future of that because it's not often where we get to see them on the grand stage. We get to see them downtown or we see them touring, but we certainly don't see them on Broadway. So- I'm I'm hopeful that there can be space maybe each season for like one or two now because that's just never been the case. Um, I remember when uh, what the Constitution means to me came about and I thought, mm-hmm. oh, my God, like this changes everything because it really did. Um, so shout out to Oliver Butler and that team for for creating that space for everyone else. Yeah. And and. I think that kind of goes to show how different these shows can be. And I and I know technically there were other people in what the Constitution means to me, but that was a one-person show more or less. But it shows kind of like the variety of what one-person shows can be with something like that, which is part monologue, part dissertation, part lecture, but also incredibly moving throughout. Then you have like the narrative prima facie and then the, the storytelling shows like the genre. When you say one-person show, they are not all the same. It is like saying musical and saying, you know, something like Back to the Future is the same thing as uh, as Parade, as is Kimberly Akimbo, uh, as is Once Upon a One More Time. There is so much variety in there. And I think showing that all of them have the opportunity to be successful. And of course, like you said, not all of them will be successful. But the fact that all different styles of that storytelling can have a place on Broadway certainly should open up the opportunity for different types of creators to bring their works to the main stem. Well, I will say one more thing at AMT or AMT theater. um, You can still see walking with bubbles um, until September 10th. I just checked. So if you are in the mood to support a solo artist, especially women, Jessica Hendy, please go see walking with bubbles. A lot of people are talking about it. Um, It's gotten great press. She's gotten awards for this already. So um, please, please, please go see that. Yeah, I, I actually, in fact, you bring that up. I had brunch with a uh, friend, Mauricio Martinez, when I was in town, and he actually brought that show up as well, saying how great it was. So lots of love for that one, and we've talked about it before. So solo shows, go see them. All right, everybody, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio, and you can follow me pretty much anywhere at BWW. Matt Grace, where can people find you? You can follow me at It's Grace Hockey. All right, everybody, have a wonderful Monday, a wonderful week, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>